you know, keep up the good work that you guys are doing and then spreading these, uh, you know, shows out and, uh, and then bringing in new audiences, hopefully. That sounds super. I hope we do. Thank you, Scott. You know, new generations. Thank you, Walden, and uh, talk to you again hopefully sometime soon. Well, give us a call. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, a new, a new caller. Scott, a new caller. Scott from Palm Springs, 714-545-2071. They hit the breakfast show with Patricia The and breakfast show. This is correct. And Walden <laughs> has done me in again. I still haven't stumped him. Not for weeks and weeks I haven't stumped you. Oh, dear. That one was left over from last week. I didn't get to ask you it last week, so I didn't have to do an awful lot of work this week. So I'll have to do a better job. So, all right, let's see. I have another question here, and then I can I can go to my notes, yes? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. Going to have good stuff here. Um, oh, let's give a... Should I give a Christmas show or a Christmas music one? Let's give our Christmas show. Let me give it. Can I give a trivia off your last question? Sure. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. It was written by Sammy Kahn, and he collaborated with Joel Stein. What hospital is named after Joel Stein? Um. <laughs> And the answer is... Hospital, I don't know. And the answer is UCLA. No joke, yep. really? Yep, that's named after... That's named after uh, he d donated enough money, I guess, especially for the eye care. Uh-huh. They call it Joel Stein. My goodness. Yep, so just another, just another piece of trivia. Oh, you're so full of trivia. You're just full of it, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> Seven one four five four five two zero seven. If you got any stuff to talk about, I have stuff to talk about. But let me give one question, yeah. so people can ponder it. Uh, Google is always acceptable. We have a question about a Fibber McGee and Molly show, December eighteenth, nineteen forty-five, in the episode of Fibber McGee and Molly. Fibber paints a Christmas tree. What color did he paint the tree? Seven one four five four five two oh seven one. That is good. What color did Fibber paint his Christmas tree? We we're gonna be blessed and honored to have John and Lori Gasman on next Saturday. That's going to be so much fun. And that's gonna be a riot. Uh hopefully Patricia will be able to get through the interview without without, you know, keeling over with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> if it's that good, I can just go have a snack. <laughs> and excuse myself and say, okay, I have to go contain myself. I'll have a snack and then I'll come back. But I don't think that's going to happen. No. The Gasman brothers are identical twin brothers. Right. They are in identical hobbies because they are both old-time radio experts. They have been in broadcasting for many years, and uh, it's just going to be a joy to talk with them. Yep. So that will be what we're going to talk about next Saturday. 714-545-207. If it's snowing anywhere in the country, give us a call. 714-545-2071. If you have any Christmas lights up, give us a call. And if you want to say Merry Christmas, give us a call. Because... For people who might just be tuning in, 
Um, we haven't lost it. It's Christmas in July at Yesterday USA in Walden's little corner of our world. Yeah, yeah. Always Christmas in July. I have something to tell you. All right. I have something to tell everybody. All right. Nolan Kenner tonight mentioned the word spoonerism. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. And we've talked about spoonerisms before where it's usually the first letter of uh, a word is transposed with another word in uh, a sentence. So instead of saying a box of Christmas cards, you would say, um, no, that's not a good one. If I would say, give me a hint here, a, a yellow legal pad, I might say a yellow peagle lad. <laughs> so you, you get the, the first letters mixed up. In New York, New York City. Everybody has to read the New York Times. These are great little things in the New York Times. New York City restaurants, many of the restaurants have now added a new um, time section. We used to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now we have breakfast, brunch, and dinner. Brunch being a combination of breakfast and lunch. So it could be a late breakfast or an early lunch or... If you're only eating one meal a day, you get brunch. Well, I'm glad. Now we have lunch and dinner. Oh. Lunch and dinner, but they have switched uh, a real spoonerism. These are spoonerisms, mm -hmm. but indeed they are for real. They have set aside or they have identified the hours of 3 in the afternoon to 5. So 3 to 5, those two hours. You can have Dunch or Liner, and they're being used interchangeably so that you can combine a lunch and a dinner, which I think is a marvelous way to fill empty restaurant tables. They're giving special prices. Used to be called things like early bird specials. Right. <laughs> you know? But this is actually a separate menu that these restaurants are putting out that would satisfy both lunch and dinner. Uh, but they're advertising it as Dungeon Liner. That's wonderful. I thought that was so cute. Oh, man. Oh, I know who would appreciate that. Uh-huh. So the next time you and I are out in New York together, I have to take you to the lunch, right? Uh, we have to either do Dunch or Liner. Okay. And we could be really classy. <laughs> What's going on? You know? Unless they, they arrest us for asking for things. <laughs> could you please take me to Liner? I don't know. What, now, yeah, what happened to supper? You know, I mean, I always... As a, oh, dear. As a boy, I always got confused. What's the difference between supper and dinner? Oh. You know, because no. I, I really don't know. Well, I can tell you what I grew up with. Okay. That uh, dinner was the more elaborate of the two meals, and supper was a lighter meal. So on a Sunday, you might have, uh, for, for people who ate changed their routine and ate dinner at around noon or a little afternoon, that would be dinner. You'd have the roast and the potatoes and the salad and the whole nine yards, and then later you would have supper, which was a lighter meal. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia. This is Cassie Zago, No Shell, New York, calling in. Hello, Cassie. How are you? Wonderful. And I, I love when uh, new people call. But that's some extreme from 84 feet of snow in 1977 to 112 degrees in the heat in Palm Springs in 2010. You have any stories of... Down in between there somewhere. You have any stories delivering the, the mail in snow, Kit? Wow. 
Any, you, you do, yeah? Yeah. I hope he's gonna get used to that hot weather, boy. It does sound like you can fry an egg on the pavement. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> not me. I'm I'm at my crest here. So, do you have a snow story? Uh, well, I remember that year when I lived in the Bronx, and boy, was it rough. And there was you a lot of snow even in the Bronx in 1977. And he was up in Buffalo where they were getting hit with the lake. Of I remember, we used to see the you know, on TV, and boy, it's just what a place. I'd hate to live there. So much snow. I thought we had it there because to go to the grocery store, you had a really, you know, I mean, you couldn't even wear boots. There was so much snow, and they were uh, not really cleaning up the side streets in the Bronx at that time that well. Wow. To go to the store, you really had to go through the snow. That's the, like the worst snowstorm. As I understand, there was one, a real bad one in New York City in the late 1940s also. Mm-hmm. And uh, the I remember my parents over that. I never forget that uh, they used to report upstate that Buffalo, Rochester area. Wow, did they get hit. Mm-hmm. But it's wonderful to hear from somebody that's brand new. And I'm glad you're, you're sending them the, uh, the nice, uh, as soon as they send the, uh, their, uh, you know, their, uh, they email you their address, their, uh, the nice, uh, CDs. They're going to enjoy it. And don't forget, send them the, uh, the fan club card. You bet. Do you know the, the answer to the question I just asked? Oh, yes. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm saying to myself, with the song White Christmas, I would say, is it white? Yes, it is white. Yes, yes. Okay. I was thinking of snow and white. I said, it's got to be white. You are absolutely oh. right. Bibber McGee painted his Christmas tree white that year. Very good. Very good. Would you like Christmas music or Christmas shows on your CD this week? Oh, Christmas show. Christmas shows. Okay, I'm going to have to advertise my Christmas music. I think that's, it's really cool. I've got 15 CDs with all different music on it, and I'm going to be pushing that. You, however, will get Christmas shows. Okay. It sounds you, cool. Yeah, I like that. I like the show because it may also include a little music in the background. It, it would do that. Combination of the above, you know, a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay, well, it will be on its way, Casey, and I thank you for calling. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you. you bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. If you have the answer to Patricia's trivia question that's not out there yet, you can give us a call. I guess she didn't get my joke. Oh, well. I'm, I'm sorry. I was rearranging because the incoming calls sound loud to me, so I was rearranging my headset. Can Are you able to lower the incoming calls for me? Uh, I can lower you. How about this? We, we can go with that. Is this yeah, okay? Well, whatever. I, you know, I am such a pain when it comes to things like this, no, aren't I? No, you're not. You oh, you have, yes, you, I am. You have good ear, Patricia. I'm not I have gonna, delicate ears. I'm not going to abandon you. you I, I got to take care of your ears, you know? I mean, you know? <laughs> Okay, I have a Christmas question. 
Are we ready? We're ready. All right. Let's see what I've got here. <laughs> Hold on. Um, gee, I just have one, too. What did I do with it? 714-545-207. If you have the answer to Patricia's quiver question that she doesn't know the question for. <laughs> I have to ask the question first. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to do Christmas colors. I've got some here that deal with Christmas colors. Mm -hmm. Here is the question. What name do we better know the name Richard Skelton by? Richard Skelton, there's a name that's much more familiar than Richard Skelton. What is it? That's your question. 714-545-2071. Did I ask that question correctly? You did good. <clears throat> do you understand what I'm asking? I, I, I sure do. Okay. I, I feel sure better. do. You, 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 you know? It's a screwy question. <laughs> it's not a screwy question. Um, let me do it. I'll do it the other way. Richard Skelton is known by what? another name that we are familiar with. How's that? Good. All right. That's cool. Okay. So I got my Spoonerisms. Um, we've got the, the Dungeon Liner. That's my Spoonerism. Here's a, here's a Spoonerism trivia question based upon old-time radio. At least a little trivia. Okay. Uh, what early radio comedians of the 1930s were known for Spoonerism? That was that basically their routine was based upon Spoonerism. Really? Yes. Is it something I would know, or Probably. should I stop thinking? Uh, no. Well... If I, I help you, know it. If you have to think about it, if, I wouldn't. <laughs> if I help you, we might get there. Say what? If if I help you, we might get there. You think? Yep. There are nights when I'm beyond help, Walden. I know. <laughs> You're worth saving 24 hours a day, oh, seven my days a week. Okay. Hello, Carl. You're on with Patricia. Hello there. This is Ken Goff calling. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness. How are you? I'm, uh... Just barely awake, but I am here. <laughs> well, at 3.30 in the morning, and it's Eastern Time Zone, I guess you would be barely awake. It's good to hear from you. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty well, pretty well. How about you guys? I am fine. For anyone who doesn't recognize the voice, but heaven only knows how come they wouldn't, King Goff is one of our DJs. And he is the theater of the mind operator. He's your head usher. He makes great popcorn, <laughs> and the shows are always great. And you've put back in the, at the beginning of each show, you've put in the, um, the war clips. Right, the, uh, um... World War II... You know, you're expecting me to think. The news features from World War II. <clears throat> right, right, the, yeah. uh... Newsreels. Yeah. Newsreels, that's it. <laughs> Leave it to Walden. Bless his little heart. Well, uh, considering I'm considering I'm three hours behind you guys, I have a big advantage, you know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, you're awake and we're, we're not. Awake. So yeah, that's no. the difference. We're letting us off the hook here. Yep. This is good stuff. I wanted to try and answer your trivia question. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the Richard Skeltenbach one? Uh-huh. Would that be Red Skelton? It certainly would be Red Skelton. Well, I have... Ding, I, ding, 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 ding. I, I have win. a trivia question based upon that. <laughs> what does Red Skelton and Dennis Daly have in common? Oh, besides um, mothers? Uh, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> Both had mothers, right? Mm -hmm. okay. um, oh, gosh, 
Yes, you know. The neck? How about that? I oh. heard this not many months ago. Oh. I'm not going to be able to conjure it, but I know I heard it, and I probably heard it from you, Walden. What kind of a student does that make me? But no, I haven't ever shared this one. It just crossed oh. my mind. Okay. But Dennis mentioned mm -hmm. it. They're both from the same hometown, Vincent, Indiana. Oh, I never would have gotten that. Yeah. Not what I heard. I know. I, I heard other gossip. Well, but... <laughs> <laughs> So, Ken, how are you doing besides being half asleep? What, how's your week been? You know, are you, are you, have you dug out from the snow in Michigan? What... No, right about now I'd give my eye teeth for some snow in Michigan. It's uh, been another long, hot, humid week here in Michigan. I've been walking around saying to everyone, have you noticed how similar the weather in Michigan is to that of Korea? And they'll say, Korea? I'll say, well, I, I, granted, all I know about the weather in Korea is what I see on the MASH episodes. I said, but it seemed like on MASH it was either freezing, flooding, boiling, or blowing. I said, and it seems to be that way in Michigan. There's no just normal weather. It's always some extreme weather of one kind or another. And right now it's very hot and humid. You've had some really rough times up north, the, the whole belt of the northeast, and it extends way out to you folks, has been just brutal. Yeah, it's uh, actually today was, was cooler than it had been for the last several days, um, but unfortunately I spent most of the afternoon under a tent in a friend's backyard because they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, so... There wasn't much of a breeze to be had, but uh, there was a good time to be had, so that that made up for it. We've been hitting 95, but that is absolutely my threshold, and I know that there are a lot of places up north that have been dealing with a lot worse than that. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's been, as you said, much worse out uh, on the East Coast, but... Uh... Well, let's think Christmas and let's think snow. Do you have a Christmas story? Well, yeah, actually, I do. It, I, I believe it took place in the month of December. It was my first radio job, and we got like a big snowstorm. And um, I normally worked the evening shift. I'd come in at 5.30, I think it was, 5 or 5.30, and work until the station signed off at 11 o'clock. Uh, but being young and foolish, uh, the snow came down earlier in the day, and I um, was uh, just so excited and happy to be in radio. But I decided I'm going to drive into the station and see what's happening at about noon. And when I got there, I found out that the guy that would normally have been on the air at noon couldn't get in. Um, so the next thing I know, I'm on the air. <laughs> And so I did the afternoon shift, and then they let me go uh, get something to eat, and then I had to come back and do my shift. So. Oh, that's funny. See, curiosity really did kill the cat. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I forgot to ask you, would you like Christmas shows or Christmas music? I'm intrigued by your Christmas music offer. I am intrigued by it, too. I mean, it really is good stuff. I've got, oh gosh, I don't know, dozens of different performers, everything from a grand Mormon tabernacle choir to this individual who's got the most unique voice you've ever heard. So it should be a pretty good collection. I've got a whole bunch of them. Yep. 
Okay, so you... while I'm at it, I would like to procure my particular uh, membership card to oh the Walden God. Patricia Fan Club. Oh my God! I fear you would not have escaped. It will be in the future. Everyone is my victim. <laughs> not really a victim. My gosh, we're we're. Um, that's a terrible thing to say. Um, Lucy put this together for us, and I'm just so excited about it. It's so much fun to say, okay, you can be a member of our club. Uh, um, so you'll have your card in there. Okay, great. Thank you from Lucy. Hey, Kim, when, during Christmas time, yeah. did you get to pick the music, or was it on a playlist? How did you guys work the Christmas? Uh, well, what they would just do is bring in that part of the uh, music catalog uh, that what was Christmas music, you know, would sit there most of the year. But that's, that's a good question because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a human nature thing, I guess. Um, on Thanksgiving, if we weren't playing Christmas music, the calls would start because everybody was, you know, into the Christmas shopping mood and they wanted music to shop by, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, what we usually did at most of the stations I worked at is that Starting after Thanksgiving, we'd play like one song an hour for a week, and then the next week we'd step it up to two songs an hour, and so on and so forth, until probably the week of Christmas we were playing nothing but Christmas, and that would go through Christmas Day. But the funny thing was is that by the time Christmas Day rolled around, people would be calling up and saying, when are you going to stop? playing that Christmas music because I'm getting really tired of it. <clears throat> and uh, the funny thing is is that uh, I noticed when I was in that business and playing Christmas music that there's really only about 25 Christmas songs or carols, but there's everybody's version of them. Mm-hmm. And so some of them were good and some of them were not so good. And you'd think if there was a genre of music that people would have some respect for, and it might be Christmas. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. Uh, My personal pet peeve as far as Christmas songs go would be, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Uh, It's just a dumb song. And yet, people just took to it with open arms. And so... When they'd start calling for Christmas music, that'd be one of the first ones they'd want to hear. And as you got closer to Christmas and people were having their family gatherings and such, they would call up and say, Uncle Lou's in town from Schenectady, and he's never heard that song. Could you play it? And so I'd play it begrudgingly. And then ten minutes later, oh, he missed it. He was in the bathroom. Could you play it again? And it would just go on and on like that. So one Saturday afternoon when I was working at a country music station in Port Huron, Michigan, this kind of thing started. I was on the air from noon to six, and I just decided I've had all I can take of this song. Well, believe it or not, we had two versions of it by by the same artist. There was the studio version, and then, unbelievably, they had a live version of it. So I cued one of each of these versions up, and I just started playing them. First, the 
studio version. And when that was over, I'd go right to the live version. And when that was over, I'd go back to the studio version. That went on about 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, the call started, please stop playing that song. You're driving me crazy. So I felt like I had made a point when I did that. <laughs> Only to the ones who were listening. Uh, they, well, they, I think they were some of the same ones, you know, they just, okay, we've heard it enough already, yeah. I don't want to hear it anymore. And then there were other weird, uh, situations when I worked at a small town station up in what we call the thumb area of Michigan, mm -hmm. or Michigan looks like a mitten, so up in the thumb part of the mitten was a small town called Sandusky, and this was... Let's see, I worked there from, oh, when was it, uh, like 70, 1978 to 1984, and about halfway through that time, there was a, there was a year, <clears throat> probably in the early 80s, and it was early in the year when, unfortunately, the Russians supposedly shot down a Korean jetliner. Yeah, so then six months goes by, and it's Christmas time, and we start to get in promotional copies of some of the new uh, Christmas records we were going to have to play. And in comes this 45 on a label nobody had ever heard of before. I mean, it was nothing like Columbia or RCA. It was, I don't even remember the name. And the artist was a little girl whose name escapes me now. Nobody had ever heard of her before this, and nobody's ever heard of her since this. And the name of the song was, Please, Mr. Russian, Don't Shoot Santa Down. And I just thought, I took one look at that and I thought, no, I won't be playing that. And I tossed it over my shoulder. And that's the last I thought of it. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> I don't ever recall having heard it. No, I'm sure you haven't. Because if you did, you'd remember it. And uh, yeah. it's just a frightening thought all the way around. Yeah. Christmas story that you are sharing is one that didn't happen. You tossed the music and saved everybody. You're a hero. <laughs> well, I like to look at it that way. Yeah. Hero. I will get a Christmas music CD out to you this week, sir, and I will expect a report back on whether or not you like it. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, that's too cool. Thank you for calling. All righty. You have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Ken. There's, there's the one and only Ken Golf, who's on this station. Uh, I can't remember if it's tape 12 or tape 14. Oh, well. You, he's there. And you're here. And Hello. I'm here. Hello? And I've got more questions. Who's on the phone? Hello, Carl. You are on with Patricia. I want equal time. Uh-oh, Dennis. <laughs> I'm fine. Hey, a couple things I, I want to bring up if I can. I my, my good friend Scott Kramer, I understand, was on here earlier. Yep, Scott he was called. Talking about you for anyone who's hanging with us. This is Dennis Daly, another one of our DJs. Well, what I'd like to talk about, and I, I I'll get off uh, quickly here, is the fact that I have been revulsed since I started in radio back in '65 with the two-faced attitude of radio station managers about Christmas. Now, first of all, I can't stand managers. I mean, I never have. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, crap. They, they play Christmas music, and then you read all these wonderful spots about the wonderful feelings of Christmas and the true meaning of Christmas. And then I had managers who on the 26th of December would come in and gloatingly box up the Christmas music, daring you to play it. And I would tell them, wait a minute, this is only the second day of Christmas. Christmas didn't start till the 25th. And then you have Disneyland, for example, which last year shut off its Christmas on the 11th day of Christmas. Now, what's wrong with these people? They don't know what... It's just always disturbed me that radio stations have to make money, so they kowtow to the advertisers to try to hype sales under the guise of a religious feast and then dump the music the day after Christmas. That has always burned me. Well, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. We are talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. I have always wondered how many people know that there really are 12 days of Christmas, and the days begin on Christmas Day. What is the feast at the on the 12th day? What is it's, e it's Epiphany. It is the Feast of the Epiphany. Right, and, and it's defined roughly in the Catholic calendar by the fact that the vestments are purple during Advent. And then on the first Mass of Christmas, which is sundown on the 24th, then they're white for 12 days. That is correct. And then on Epiphany, traditionally they're gold to represent the Magi, and then they go to green for common time. So there is a defined 12 days of Christmas. Very much so. And in some areas of Europe, I believe in, the, in some of the Slavic, uh, former Slavic countries, the actual celebration of gift giving and tree lighting is on January 6th, the evening, uh, you know, January 5th, the evening, and then the day of January 6th is celebrated the way we celebrate December 25th. Yeah, and one of the things that complicates that is what happened in the 1300s when Pope Gregory decided that the Roman calendar, the Julian calendar, was nearly two weeks off with the sun. Right. Because, believe it or not, in the early church, Easter was the big feast day, and they couldn't figure out when to have it. And now it's the first Sunday after the second Tuesday, after the second full moon, after the spring equinox or something. It floats so much. But because when Gregory changed the calendar, many non-Catholic countries and the ones of the Eastern Church wouldn't do anything the Pope said, they stayed with the old calendar. That's why you have two birthdays for George Washington listed. You have the, you know, the old one and, and then the one that would follow the new calendar. But you have a lot of Christmases that are two weeks off and some that are one week off. That happens. Um, it, there, it, we, we've got holidays all over the place that hop all over the place. Passover is one of them. And, again, that one is tied. It, what, is that tied also to the moon cycle? Yeah, there was there was a move in the in the 300s in the Catholic Church from the Council of Nicaea forward, which I think was in 325, to standardize Easter. And because they were using the same formula as the traditional Jewish calendar, Passover, uh, you, you know, the the Last Supper being a seder, mm -hmm. they almost always coincide. And then there's been a new push just in the last 20 years to recognize the Jewish roots of Christianity. As a matter of fact, early on, 1st century, 2nd century, 
Christians were actually in many places called those other Jews because they were an offshoot of Judaism. <laughs> now, to move on, Richard Bernard Skelton was indeed, as you said, uh, born in Vincennes, Indiana, where I worked for 10 years. And it's interesting that his home was torn down to be part of the expanding university, but his widow, I'll get her name in a second, who is Greg Tolan's daughter, Weldon, who was the cameraman on, on Citizen Kane yeah, and so many other films. It's Lothian Skelton. I've had it. Lothian, yeah. He has show. donated a huge number of his paintings to the college, and they now have the Richard Skelton Center for the Performing Arts. And on the outside of the building, about two stories tall, is that classic line drawing of Red Skelton that they use for his television show. You know, he loved Vincennes so much that he mentioned it a lot on the air. And he would joke about a woman being the girl from Bunker Hill, and no one knew that that was the slums in Vincennes. It was a genuine private joke. But he, when he was still alive, would sometimes sneak into town, not tell anybody, and would go to McDonald's. <laughs> And, and meet old friends of his. So, you know, it was not anything unusual to meet Red Skelton. And there's a four-lane bridge on what was to have been an interstate highway across the Wabash River there, and he was at the dedication. And he said the great line, he was looking at the bridge, and he said, it just goes to show you what God would have built if he'd had money. <laughs> but he is, he's more than the favorite son of Vincennes. He had such close ties to the city. He gave tons of money for an orphanage there. And uh, they're really perpetuating uh, his memory in that city. And, and I was very happy to have worked there. If I may have 30 more seconds, I interviewed him in Washington, D.C. once and didn't tell him where I was from. And so I wanted to get his reaction about the city. And I said to him, do you remember the last time you went to Vincennes, a girl with very long hair picked you up at the airport in Evansville? And he said, yes. And I said, well, that's my sister, because my sister was in broadcasting after I did. She pretty much took my job over. And I said, I want to thank you for letting my mother and father go with you. Now, this was about 12 years afterward. He said, your father's name is Joe, and he's very tall and has emphysema. And your mother is very short, and her name is Eileen. And I'm thinking, my God, did they throw up on him or something that he would remember that? Wow, what a great story. And Red Skelton had an electricity coming off of him. He was one of the few people I ever met. The other one, I would say, would be Cesar Romero, who actually you could feel their presence when you were with them. Just an amazing guy. Last thing I was going to say is I have an autographed picture of Red Skelton, which I had never hung on the wall. And when I was living in L.A., one night I put it on the wall, and it was the night he died, and I didn't know it. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, kind of freaky. So I'm going to say good night and may God bless. Well, before you go. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have some really great Christmas music. I'm having a special on Christmas music tonight. Okay. And you can have it if you tell me what wassail is. What wassail is? Yes. It's a, tra it's a traditional drink uh, akin to eggnog that is tied to Christmas caroling. Well, you're you're close with the with the um, beverage type thing and Christmas caroling. Uh, here we come, a wassailing. Yeah. On the leaves so green. I think it's very British. 
It, well, it is very British. You are you are quite right. It's actually a mulled drink. A mulled wine, probably. Well, it can be wine. A lot of things. Well, if you remember in It's a Wonderful Life, when Clarence and George go to the bar and Sheldon Leonard is the bartender. No, he's not. When they go back, it's, it's Sheldon Leonard's. Yeah, he is. Okay. They ask him what he wants, and Clarence said he wanted a mulled wine. Huh? And the bartender has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, it's, it's uh, mull, mulling is, it, it's a warm drink with spices. And it okay. And a number of things. Um with kind of like old Diet Pepsi. It's not very good. Not very good. No bubbles in it at all. So that means you have to send me an address to my Hotmail email. Okay, I'll talk to Scott. He has your Hotmail address. He has my Hotmail address. Well, I will send one to you, too. It's just for the writer at Hotmail.com. should be simple right. for you, Dennis. Alden, how are you? I'm fine. I saw, I met, I saw an, old, an old T-shirt yours two weeks ago. You, really? Yeah. Up in, and, Seattle, up in Seattle, Norman Corwin made the trip to Seattle. You know, I called Norman yes. for his 100th birthday and reminded him that many years ago, when I had interviewed him and I ran it on the, the air, I had presented him with a book that I stole from the Indiana University Library, 13 by Corwin, and I asked him to autograph it. Well, I kept the book, and when I called him before his 100th birthday, I said, can I mail you the book and have you re-autograph it on your 100th birthday? Well, I sent the book and a stamped self-addressed envelope and never heard from him. Wow. So maybe he's on the road. He's been on the road. He's been, yeah. he been busy traveling a lot, so he'll get it to you. That's good. I'd just like to have it back. Yeah. He might get really, you know, Ashley, religious. What, Ashley called the it back to Indiana yeah, University. Yeah, Ashley called the library and wanted to know if they wanted the book back. <laughs> Then they said, well, the fine is $942. <laughs> Probably. Oh, hey, guys, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. All right, Dennis. Thanks right. for calling in. It's always good to talk to you, and it's been a whole, well, gosh, it's been... Very a, long time, yeah. A year ago this past Christmas, so you're calling on a Christmas again. There you go. Well, stay well, and, and happy holidays. Same to Oh, Merry Christmas to you, Dennis. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And see? Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Where the place where people call? That's where they call to get a Christmas CD or Christmas shows CD. If they can tell me in the song, as long as we were talking about the twelve days of Christmas, what is the gift on the fifth day? On the twelve days of Christmas, my true love sent to me. Now we've got the first day all the way up through the twelfth. What was the gift on the fifth day? 714-545-2071. 714-545-2071. We're awake. Love to talk to you and give us a call. And I need to know what present was given to my, by my true love on the fifth day of Christmas. So. Now, I think there's a story behind the song. I'm trying to remember what the story is. You know, I think I think the 12 days rep symbolize certain things, and I can't remember what it is. Maybe maybe it's part of the the church or something. And I'm trying. Get, just, I had a flashback. I think I saw an email or something. Now now you're giving me one as well. So yeah. when we listen to the show later. I will go ferreting around for information and see if I can come up. Come up with that. 
545-2071. You know what I ought to do too sometime, Patricia? Is pull out one of your favorite songs. And, and have them play the story and have the story told about one of your favorite songs. Did I lose you? Yeah. <laughs> I did. You want me to play one of my favorite No, no. I'm going to play one of your favorite songs and play the story behind it. Oh, I have to provide the story? No, no, no. I have the story and I, and I have the song. Uh, which favorite song? Well, I know you love Silver Bills. <gasps> I love Silver Bells, and you do have the story. I do have the story from the songwriter, so maybe maybe in a few, one of the Christmas nights we'll play it. Oh, great. Yeah. Maybe next week or the week after? Uh-huh. During Christmas celebration? Uh-huh. That's what I was oh. thinking. That would be great. Yeah. I do. Uh, Silver Bells is probably my favorite song. It is my favorite Christmas song. Yep. And there are a lot to choose from. It's a tough Silver choice. It's my favorite. Yeah. So that's why I would just think. See, I know Patricia. See, I, see, I know her favorite Christmas song. 714-545-2071. Oh, you, you know, you and I were having our break, and I didn't get a chance to t tell you what I had. Right. I was supposed to guess what Walden had for a snack, and right. I blew it. I uh, well, no, peanut we, butter. Yeah, peanut butter, and I said it was protein and uh, carbohydrates. And that's, that guy was stopping and... A but, Reese's peanut butter cup. That sounds good, but I didn't have a Reese's that's peanut butter. That's not it. Well, that, that was a very creative answer. I know. Yes, I it know. was. I You're good. <laughs> what did you have? I had saltine crackers and some cheese. Oh, silly me. And then after that, some graham crackers, so, you know. Graham crackers, good. Oh, I love graham. You know, it, it helped the sweet, you know? Sweet good taste. choice. You know. Good choice. Well, while we're waiting for somebody to call and tell me what the gifts on the fifth day of Christmas were, we've got the 12 days of Christmas. On the first day, my true love gave to me. We're up to five. What was the gift on the fifth day? And while we're waiting for that, can I tell you what our first show is? Of course. All right. The first Fibber McGee and Molly show we are playing tonight is, of course, a Christmas show. It is called A Christmas Card from Elizabeth, and it's from December 21st, 1948. Fibber gets a Christmas surprise. I love this show. It's a card signed by Elizabeth, just Elizabeth. He doesn't know who Elizabeth is. Molly doesn't know who Elizabeth is. But Fibber is feeling pretty good about himself because he sees himself as a man who is attractive to a woman he doesn't even know. So he's got this animal magnetism going on here. And you know, of course, that his ego gets the better of him and the whole delusion is going to go poof. Fibber sounds like he has a cold in this one. So, Walden, you tell me, or maybe one of our listeners can tell me whether or not I'm on target here. I don't ever recall having heard him sound unwell, but he sounds like he has a cold here. So, this is our Listen Hard show, whatever that means. What does Listen Hard mean? How do you listen soft? Well, Listen Hard means if you have a third ear, you bring it out. I guess. I mean, you can't listen soft, so... And Patricia got trivia after this book, so keep her ears, your ears open for this show. Yes, yes, yes. This is our Listen Hard show. I've got three questions. When this show is over, I will ask three questions. I need one correct answer, and all questions are based on this show. A Christmas card from Elizabeth from December 21st, 1948. 
WMAQ and WMAQ-FM, NBC in Chicago. For incredibly fast relief from pains of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia, try Anison tablets. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients. Get A-N-A-C-I-N, Anison, today. <laughs> the Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Well, I guess there's not much doubt that the kind of beauty women want in their kitchens is practical beauty. Maybe that accounts for the popularity of Johnson's self-polishing floor wax, Glow Coat. The beauty in Glow Coat, of course, is the luster it gives your linoleum. Especially now that there's a new glow in Glow Coat. A glow that makes every inch of your linoleum shine far more brightly than before. Well, there's a practical quality in Johnson's Glow Coat, too. And that's the protection it gives your linoleum. It certainly would be surprising if you or anyone could go through the holidays without scuffing up the linoleum surface a bit or spilling liquids when you're washing the dishes. Well, Johnson's Glow Coat, bright and pretty as it is to look at, covers your linoleum with a hard, dry finish that protects and makes it so easy to clean. Ask for Johnson's Glow Coat, the floor wax that now shines with a brighter, warmer glow. Your dealer has the new Glow Coat in the same familiar yellow container with the bright red band. Take some home and see what we mean by practical beauty in the kitchen. No holiday is a complete success with everybody. Cops, for instance, hate Halloween. The Army thinks Navy Day is silly. If you're a turkey, you're entitled to a low opinion of Thanksgiving. And what a mailman thinks of Christmas is absolutely unthinkable. One of them has just relieved his aching back a trifle, however, by leaving a batch of greetings at 79 Wistful Vista, the home of Fibber McGee and Molly. I'd poisoned his dog or something. What goes with that sour puss? Well, what's so merry about Christmas to a mailman? Huh? He starts out holding the bag and winds up the same way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's right, but... Oh, look, a card from Uncle Dennis. Ah, uh, Uncle Dennis. Kentucky's greatest booster. <laughs> Straight Kentucky, that is. <laughs> what's the card? It's a picture of Santa Claus coming down the chimney upside down. Upside down? Yeah. <laughs> it says, Merry Christmas and bottoms up, Uncle Dennis. <laughs> That's him, all right. Boy, the government missed a great bet when they passed him up during the war. What a production man he'd have made. We'd like to wish you the merriest Christmas ever. Here's to a bright Merry Christmas
This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Ah, this came up on me. Let's say a prayer and I'll get up Patricia on the line. Dear Lord, thank you for the time of the year. Bless all the listeners and supporters of the station. We're very grateful. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Can we get Patricia on? That NBC's time wasn't there. It's hotly short. So, here's a little bit of Fibber McGee and Molly. Radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And today we are celebrating ours, the 40th anniversary of broadcasting, entertainment, news, sports, and information to the people of the Pacific Coast from San Francisco. It was in 1922 that KNBC, then known as KPO, began program service. Many famous entertainers and many historic events were beamed out over the airways during our 40 years of broadcasting. In 1951, when the NBC radio network was celebrating its 25th anniversary, the then popular comedy team of Fibber McGee and Molly did a special broadcast that eavesdropped on some of the great shows of radio. Since then, Molly Jordan has passed on, and Fibber is living in retirement in Encino, California. And now we're going to pot that down, and hello, Patricia. Hello, Robin. And of that show. Oh, why do you love that show so much? I love that show because Teeny's in it, and Fibber does her, his puffing, his feather puffing, and it's just a great show. It was great writing, and I love it. But I do have my three questions. Oh, you think Five we, questions. You think we know people that know them out there? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I know at least one, and maybe more. I have two questions for you before I even go into those three. Maybe I should give the three before I ask you your two questions. All right. Go right ahead. Here are the three questions based on this show. I have been asking a question since January, and no one has called in with the answer. This is the question. What is Teeny's real name? The next question is, Doc Gamble asked Fibber if he planned to use a specific piece of equipment, a specific thing, when decorating the Christmas tree this year. What was it? And the third one is, Mr. Wimple wrote a poem about the Santa on the corner. What was he encouraging people to do? So I need Teeny's real name. What was Doc asking about uh, so he could put it on his list? What was Fibber going to use to decorate the tree? And what was Mr. Wimple encouraging people to do? So those are my three questions, 714-545-2071. I need only one correct answer out of three. And if you call, you'll get a Christmas gift from Patricia. That is correct. Are we ready, Walden, for my two questions for you? Of course. The first one, did Jim Jordan sound like he had a cold? Slightly, but I thought I have an, an alternative explanation for that, too. I'm hearing. Well, but. you know, the air check we played was from Chicago. Uh-huh. And so we didn't have the Hollywood, you know, recording. And you'll hear people talk about it, and I never really picked it up. And we'll talk about that later. Hello there. You have the answer for Patricia? 
Of course I do. Well, we figured you might, Lucy. I wouldn't seal your envelope. <laughs> Too funny. Okay. Teeny's real name is Elizabeth. Yes, yes, I'm out of my misery now. Thank you, thank you, Lucy. Okay. Okay. Now, Sam will ask was and to use. All right. Sibber uh, was asked if he was going to use, was it a stepladder? That is absolutely correct. And the other guy was uh, getting people to drop coins into the Salvation Army buckets. Three out of three again. And your first question, before you even went to the Sibber McGee and Molly show, what was that question again? <laughs> oh, um, what was the, uh, in the 12 days of Christmas, what was the oh, five gold rings? Five gold rings. Okay. So, um, let's see, we got five gold rings. You did that one. And Sibber, you did, I'm keeping notes. I'm keeping notes so I can keep track <laughs> of things here. Okay, so you've got one CD with Christmas shows coming. Mm -hmm. I can do another CD with Christmas shows, you go. or you can have two different Christmas music CDs. We've got all sorts of Christmas stuff here. What would you like? Well, give me the shows, because believe it or not, I have a collection of Christmas music like you wouldn't believe. I'll match mine against yours. You're on. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I might even be able to scare up three CDs worth of Christmas shows. And if I can't, because you earned three, <laughs> I have, are you ready for this? Let I'm me, hanging on. Oh, hold on. I got to I gotta grab a sheet of paper here. You are just going to love this. Hold on. We've got, hmm, I know it's here somewhere. And I made on the left-hand side, Patricia, you left it on the computer t table on the left-hand side. It probably is. You know? But I made a whole list. It's underneath your mouse. brand new shows that I've got now. Hold it's, on. It's underneath your mouse. See what? It's underneath your mouse. Oh, no, it's not under my mouse. Oh, well. But it's here. It's here. It's here. Hold open on. up the keyboard. Is there another keyboard? I'm, I'm doing. Oh. I'm doing. I'm doing. <laughs> So hot, hot was it this weekend, Lucy? Any any forecast of the weather up there? Oh my gosh, we hit a hundred and four. Oh no, oh. God. it was brutal. You couldn't stick your head out the door because you couldn't breathe. I walked around with a sweatshirt today. Oh you know, gosh, crazy. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> and poor poor Lucy has everybody's. I knew you were just getting brutal stuff, and I know how dangerous it is mm. in, especially in city areas where um, people I, frequently don't have air conditioning. You know, I mean, it's not something that's in, in Florida, no matter where you walk. You know, they have a new heat index. When you're outside. You, have you guys heard about the new heat index that have come up for big no. cities? Oh. Here we go. Go ahead, Walden. In <laughs> fact, is real, Walden? Yeah, well, I heard it on the news last week. Yeah. And this is in Manhattan. Yeah. They came up with a new heat index. They have decided that in major cities with tall buildings, it's hotter. Because with the building, with the tall buildings, it traps the cement, you know, the heat from the cement and everything. 
So in Manhattan, where the tall buildings were, they calculated last week it got up to 180 degrees. Well, that I can believe. They needed a study to figure out yes, probably the buildings that protected. <laughs> I don't believe this. You know, so got, no, you got to know something, yeah. though, Patricia. In Manhattan itself, they have a thing they call Tar Beach, and it's the rooftops that you put a blanket down. But when the heat gets so intense, the tar actually melts, and you can't go to Tar Beach to get some sun. The melting stuff I knew about, and it is dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Um, okay, I want to tell you what I've got here. Mm-hmm. You're going to love it. I've got, this is brand new now, that I just found. Dark Fantasy. Dark Shadows. <gasps> darkness. It's Isn't this dark great? I mean, you talk about... Um, <laughs> is it the Dark Shadows from from Jonathan Frid and Laura Parker and from Channel WABC from the 60s, from the Dark Shadows? I guess. Huh? I guess. I'll take uh, that. Yeah, Dark Shadows. And I I believe it was at my, uh, my goodness, I don't know how I find these things on some of the, there's a British site that has treasures in it, but when you go treasure hunting, you had better be able to spend the afternoon because um, finding things at this site is a little bit difficult, but I believe that's where I got this one from, and I said, I have a home for that, so dark shadows it is, and I believe I could fit a second one on there, so you can have dark fantasy, darkness, diary of fate, haunted tales of the supernatural, the hermit's cave, or the hidden truth. I don't know what the hidden truth is. Haunted tales of the supernatural. Haunted Tales of the Supernatural. Those two will fit on a CD, and you've earned it. A bit of trivia about Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows was written by a woman, Uh and it was all due to a dream she had. And it literally, when it went on the air on channel, here in the New York area, it was on Channel 7, it came on at, I believe it was, three o'clock in the afternoon <clears throat> either three or three thirty and um no one knew and no one in the cast knew what the day's show was going to be until she came in and told them what she dreamt the night before are you serious yeah oh my i'm like this until its end where one night she dreamt it ended and it literally ended on the air, never to be heard from again. Now, in the late 80s, it came up again. They tried to do a remake of it, and it was on on Thursday nights, I believe, at 10 o'clock on Channel 4 on NBC. But they didn't have such great luck with it. You know, you figured with today's technology that it would have been better and everything. I enjoyed it. But they ended up canceling it, and I have all of them on DVD, but I don't have the original Dark Shadows. Well, I'm hopeful that these are the audios from the shows that you remember. You're going to be the testing ground, and you'll let me know what I sent to you. 
I'll have to send you my synopsis on what it's about. Or you could call in. You've got a wonderful way of describing things. <laughs> and I'm serious. You know, you you tell good stories, and you've got a wonderful way of describing things. So I will not – I'll give you a choice. You can either do a synopsis and turn it into the teacher, or, or um, you can call and tell me whether or not it's what you expected and enjoyed. Oh, I'll tell you, I used to fly off the school bus and fly home. Really? Just to see what Barnabas was doing and what Angelique was going to do to him and what Quentin was doing. And, oh, my gosh, it, it, was a, it was a wonderful couple of years with Dark Shadows. It really was a great couple of years. So I got a good one. Yeah. Found a home for a good one. Or a good one has a new home. Yes, absolutely. Look at this. I mean, you don't you don't want tales from the Diamond K, right? No. And and you don't want tales of the Texas Rangers. No. I knew you weren't coming to us for with <laughs> darkness in it. I thought, my goodness, I do know who needs one of them. So I, you shall have it. I was going to say, you do know what I like. Well, it's not hard. You sort of let people know <laughs> that you you enjoy the spookiest stuff that would keep me awake or just give me the shivers as I listen to it. So You know, I still can't find the title of that one show I told you about. Uh-huh. With the with the bones? Bones necklace the and ne the neck bones necklace. Uh -huh. I still I've I've emailed Greg Bell and everything. No one can answer this question for me. I ran several Internet searches because frequently with a show that's that memorable or that remarkable, you're going to have people writing about it somewhere. And I put in all sorts of search combinations and words, and just nothing came up. Yeah, see? I, I have in the back of my mind from several years ago that I heard this thing, and I don't know if I really have or there was something similar about a girl who was kind of scooped up and carried away and was living with a man who was her self-appointed protector. But um, I can't find it. I cannot find references to it. And me, who pays attention to detail and everything. Remembered all of the details in the show. You just don't know what the show was named. For the love of me, I've never been able to catch it at its beginning so that I could know what show it was. Inner Sanctum, was it its Suspense, was it Murder at Midnight? I, for the love of me, could not catch it. Any time I heard it, I never caught it from the beginning. Well, you have just broadcast nationwide and internationally the question of the century. Somebody out there has heard it, and somebody knows what it is. And we will eventually get a call on it. Please, if you know. Take Lucy out of her misery. <laughs> put me out of my misery so I can get hold of it, because it's a great story. It's a good story. She wants to spook the dickens out of me with it. <laughs> I thank you very much, and you have a great night. And get under the covers and bundle up. It's going to be a blizzard out there. Oh, yes. Merry Christmas. And thanks for calling in. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye. Right, good night. Good night. Actually, good morning, everybody. 714-545-2444.
Situation I like to know what you're cooking for breakfast for us. It's it's very difficult to say good morning when I haven't been to bed yet. Oh, that's true. But it's almost five in the morning for Patricia. That's true. Yeah, it is. My I, goodness, I what, what you're doing to me? Good thing you're a morning person. It's a good thing I'm a morning person. It's on. I'm a morning person before I go to bed. That's right. Now you were talking about what might have made Fibber sound like he had a head cold. Mm-hmm. And the all the the alternative is. Did you notice the how? Uh, bassy or not bass? How deep the, the different voices sounded like in the show? No, no, I thought all the rest of them sounded normal. Well, what I was going to explain, in the pre-satellite days, we used to have all the telephone lines carry the, the lines, and then, because if we were far away from Hollywood or New York, uh, sometimes those telephone lines made the show sound a little more, uh, had a little more depth and body mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. So that could have been the other possibility, but I, I think there's a good possibility he did have a cold. Yep, so. he just sounded nasally and echoey mm -hmm. to me, and it's not something I've ever heard before. I mean, I've uh -oh, you two did? years with a show and never had a cold, but uh. it's the first one that I noticed. So I thought maybe he was sick. Well, he certainly yeah. didn't perform like he was sick. Nope. It was a wonderful show. Oh, yeah. So, And yeah. my second question for you. Uh-huh. Mayor Latrivia, who refused to argue and did his McDonaghan and Mc, like all of the mix, and he did such a great job on that, and he said he wasn't going to get angry or upset because an unstrung harp is no good to anyone. But I didn't catch on to the metaphor. What did he mean by an unstrung harp? Unstrung. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about not getting upset. Now, there is an expression, he became unstrung. Yes. So maybe it was an extension of that, but it sounded like such a peculiar... Well, I was thinking during the Christmas time, and I was thinking of any song that features a, a harp. Well, I don't um. know. But maybe our expression of he's unstrung, meaning he's out of control yeah. and blustering. Yeah. Perhaps this was the original rendition of it. But anyway, it was something that caught my attention, ah. and I thought Walden would surely know well, what it is. If you would ask Walden this weekly trivia question, he would have just said, I don't know. Well, you got that one. You got Mr. Peavy's name. <laughs> <laughs> so next time I'm going to spend time in my John Gunning book. John Gunning is... One of the foremost, if not the foremost, radio historian when it comes to shows and character details, dates, times, um, casts, advertisers. It's just amazing that he had so much information to put together. So I'm going to Mr. Dunning's book. This one is called On the Air, and I'm going to find your stumper for next week in Mr. Dunning. Uh, You're doomed, Walden. Uh, that's good. You're doing. That's good. I know it. Seven one four five four five two zero seven. You can call and talk to Teeny's best friend. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one, and she might have a trivia question for you.
She might have a trivia question for you. Um, let us see. Bing Crosby. I've got a Bing Crosby question. This is good. Bing Crosby sang Adeste Fidelis at the close of every one of his Christmas shows. Adeste Fidelis. Then he would ask the audience to join him in the English version, and everybody would sing it. What is the English version of Adeste Fidelis? What Very is the translation? Good. good question. I like that. Good, good, good. Good question. Okay, Walden says it's a good question, so somebody has an answer. 714-545-2071. What is Adeste Fidelis also known as? Adeste Fidelis is Latin, and the other is English. 714-545-2071. Well, have you decided? Have you started working on your master plan for Chris to decorate your uh, <laughs> decorate your house in December? There, your little apartment yet? I started planning the day I realized I didn't even get honorable mention for these runway lights that I, <laughs> that I had on the lanai. Oh my goodness! I mean, it's it was just incredible. We have, of course, in most communities, the same thing. We have many different size apartments. And the buildings are really nice. They're they're um, almost a Cape Cod style design, and each building is set off on angles, and it overlooks a little lake. I mean, it's really a lovely community. The apartments include a section on the other side of this very large median of grass and trees and stuff, and. The apartments are very large. Some of them have three and four bedrooms, which is a very large apartment. That means that the patios and lanais are commensurately large. Some of these people put two Christmas trees on their lanais and decorated the ceilings. I mean, it was just incredible to see some of what people came up with in terms of ingenuity. So, Hello, Carl. You are on with Patricia. I can't believe how you guys can sound so wide awake. Uh, well, the secret—the secret is, Ron, we take we take a nap during the show. <laughs> I doze off, you know. I didn't mean to. I doze off and sure me get Molly because it's getting kind of late. But then what started, what woke me up was um, a Dallas or Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Oh, goodness gracious, the music man. Silly me, I should have known that you were going to get that. That is absolutely correct. Would you like a, a second CD of Christmas shows? Yeah, why don't you do that? I have... How can you be so wide awake? What, I mean, what, how many hours of sleep do you require now? Um, six is about average, sometimes seven. And if I... around noontime tomorrow? Uh, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'll, I'll be asleep between 6 and 7, so. Well, all I can say is you guys do a good job <laughs> at this time. I could never, never do what you guys do. There's no way I could be as... Well, you get up in the morning and there's no way I could ever do that. <laughs> so, uh, we've got... All the hours covered, Ron. You take the day shift, and I'll take the night shift. Okay, well, we'll talk to you later. Aloha. Aloha, Ron. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's fun. He's got, he's got the day shift covered. Um, you and I will take the night shift.
I know. We're, we're, we're good. Now, we need somebody to cover the afternoon part. Do we have volunteers? Oh, we're going to do 12-hour shifts. Oh, okay. Unless somebody calls in. That's true. 714-545-2071. We're the night people around here. We we keep the home fire burning for another, another log on the fire. Smell, uh, pop those, uh, let's see. Now, what, what, kind, what kind of nuts you pop in the fire? Chestnuts. Chestnuts, yes. Nuts roasting on an open, open fire. fire. Now, I have a really hard question. And if somebody gets this, I think... It's worth two CDs. I think this is a bonus question. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm all ears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all two, right? Yeah. You only you only have two. Yeah. The last, one. The last I knew I'd do. I, yeah. I've got two. Okay. The Great Gildersleeve, Peggy and Molly, well, and got a call. Hello there, Carl. You're on air with Patricia. Well, good morning, people. Hello, Fred. Hi, Fred. Hello. Are you um, getting up or not in bed yet? You did it again. You, you saw me to bed, and now I'm getting back up when you're still there. <laughs> you did uh, that one other time to us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, we were on the air when you went to bed, and you got up, and we were still here, and it just cracked me up that <laughs> you called on both ends of the show. It was good. Yeah, I'm one of these people that can uh, four or five hours sleep, and I'm good. So, because so, we do a 10-hour show, it helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. I was to a couple hours going to bed, and I went back up. I was going to turn on MASH, and I was like, wait a minute, they're still on the air. Damn. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Well, I was a little bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but I had about three cups of coffee in me, but. So you're almost bright-eyed. Forget the tail. Yeah, I'm on my way. I'm a way to being bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. Another all-nighter, huh? Oh, yeah, we're, we're doing an all-nighter here. Well, that's good. Would you like a question? Those are fun. They can try. I don't know. Uh, well, are you wide awake? I'm awake. Okay, I'm going to give you a Christmas song question. A Christmas song? Oh, boy, okay. All right, hang on. Ask you which song says city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style, and on every street corner you hear. What do you hear? You hear silver bells. Yes, we hear silver bells. See, you could do it. I knew that was easy. I like that. Oh, well, it's only easy if you know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, the answer is not easy. So um, that means I get to send you something. Oh, a card. We have um, Christmas shows. We have really interesting collections of Christmas music. I want a card. You want a card? That's all I want is a card. I don't got one. You mean like a Christmas card? No, a, a, a fan club card. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I can send you a fan club card. That's perfect. I'll, I'll even put a disc in with it. <laughs> I got more Christmas music than I know what to do with. And you've already sent me about three or four CDs full of Christmas shows. Um, what other shows do you like that you don't have? Oh, God, I don't know. I think you're taking care of them all. Uh, 
this. I have not given away detective shows in forever. Um, do you like detectives, cowboys, crime, spooky stuff, comedy? What do you like? I like a lot of that stuff. I already got it all. I got. You already sent me a ton of westerns. Uh, I got a ton of comedy. Uh, I like game shows, but I already. I got a ton of. Uh, I already got a ton of. Uh, oh, Groucho Mark there. All right. Let's see. I've got quiz shows. I like the quiz kids. Not the quiz kids. Yeah, really good. I don't have any of those. All right. I've got the quiz kids. And if I have room, let me see how many quiz kids. I haven't been on the air in a while either. Well, we used to play that, right? Uh-huh. Yep, I played a whole bunch of them. Then I, then I got through them, and then I put them aside. So, okay. yep. People like the quiz kids. I know Dwayne likes the quiz kids. I like the quiz kids. Another, another game show you might like is Information Please. I think Patricia might have some of those. This is one, too. I've got... Poodles of that. Okay, I will. That'll work. Okay, uh, because I know, let's see, the quiz kids are, don't go away. Oh, sure, I've got room for both of them on a single CD, so I will send you some of both shows. Great. All right. This is this is very good. I'm so glad you've got both ends of the show covered, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> this is really well, I need to get, get my Sunday started. Get your what started? It's Sunday. Sunday. Oh, oh my goodness, it is Sunday, isn't it? Yes, it is. See, it's never the next day for me until I've gone to bed and gotten up. How's the weather in Vermont, Fred? Is it hot, getting hot up there? What's the deal? Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. 94 yesterday. Wow. 90, yeah, 90, 94. They got cooled off a little bit there during the night. It doesn't seem too bad, not real hot yet, but um, it's it's been hot lately. We got a, had a good thunderstorm you know, the night before last. Uh-huh. That'll help. Are you okay in the heat, or does it really bother? I love the heat. I absolutely love the heat. Patricia um, loves thunderstorms, so you can send all her, your thunderstorms down to her. Yeah, there we go. I have arthritis. I love the heat. Yes. My body just soaks the heat in. Ah. Well, if you love the heat, you're living in not so great an area. Well, yeah, I know, but my whole network's here. You know what I'm saying? Pardon? Right. I mean, geographically, it's not the ideal spot, huh? but I grew up here. That's the answer. All my connections are here. Everything's here. Right. Yeah, I understand that. So it's kind of like, as much as I complain, and and, and I do, I am I, the biggest whiner when it comes to winter. Um, I think I'd miss it. Well, you know, you're a good sport about it. When we talk about with you, you always seem to be, have a, a, a good a good personality about it, but hey. Yeah, you've, you've never, ever, that I remember, given an indication that winter is not an okay thing. Like, it, 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 it's not the most comfortable time in the world. I mean, you talk about it like it's Christmas up there all the time. Yeah. And I love it right up until Christmas. <laughs> well, you're... I do. I love the snow and all that for Christmas time. And then, but then, you know, then the holidays are over, and it's only January. <laughs> and you've still got the snow, and it's, there are some times when it starts to melt, and it gets this ugly gray, so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the worst time of year is right after New Year's. Mm-hmm. 
thank God I coached basketball because if it wasn't for basketball, I'd probably hibernate. I probably wouldn't even leave the house. It's hard to bounce a ball in 10 feet of snow. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? It's hard to bounce a basketball when there's 10 feet of snow to push it on. Yeah, that, that's why we play in gym. Uh-huh. Basketballs do not bounce off snow. No, they don't. Um, but, like I said, if I didn't coach the local team, I wouldn't even leave the house. Probably. Awesome. Unless I absolutely had to. Um, but with basketball, I have to leave every day. I coach every day. Every day? Wow. We do, uh, we start November 15th. Well, this year we're not starting the last of Thanksgiving. And we go until... Well, second week of February, and we're pretty much six days a week. We usually get a day off. Oh, um, that's all we to play, though, yeah. Well, that'll bring you halfway to spring. Pretty much all the way. February is not spring in Vermont. Well, I figure once we hit March, we're there. I mean, March can get nasty, but it's it can also be spring-like. Well, you've got something to look forward to by that time. You're right. Yeah, uh, but once once baseball started, even if it's only spring training, uh, spring's here. It don't matter what the weather is outside. Yeah. You really do have a good attitude. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's you know, and, and like I said, I love summer up here. You didn't know how perky you were, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> we just bring out the best in people. Yes, you do. There's hope. There's hope, yes. For the world, we're going to save the world with old-time radio. Yeah, it can be done. You can do it. Do something. So much fun and such a joy to listen to some of these shows. We probably could bring an awful lot of joy to the world. That's true. Merry Christmas, joy to the world. Merry Christmas. We'll have you. Know, somebody else win some prizes before you have to sign off. Well, you will have your CD. Okay. With kids and information, please. Okay, don't forget my card. I've, oh, it's right here. I'll put your name on it right now. Okay. Okay, Fred, thank you so much for calling. Have a nice night, guys. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The family's awake at 5 in the morning. <laughs> They're getting up, and we're just going down. I know. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, what did I I started to ask a question, or you were going to say something. Well, we I was asking. I was in the middle of a question. Yeah, okay, we, I've we, got a bonus question. Yeah, you were going to give out your bonus question about the Great Gildersleeve. Uh-huh, my bonus question. The Great Gildersleeve, can you hear me okay, because I'm starting to chirp. I can hear you just fine, but you hey, know, I I, I I live with I live with the when when Patricia talked about saying you know the church. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. I know when my battery gets a little low, sometimes I sound like I'm a crackly grandmother yeah, out of. Well, <laughs> that you, was you, a fun skit last oh, week. Oh, wasn't it? Oh, Brian, you done good, my boy. I'm glad. Brian was terrific, yeah. just terrific. He was a mean little kid, and I didn't even lose it when he got to stool pigeon. That line just cracked me up. Okay, the great Gildersleeve and Fibber McGee and Molly each had a favorite store where they did their Christmas shopping. Which one shopped at Hogan Brothers and which one shopped at the Bonton? Oh, that's a good one. I like that. That's a good question, and it is so good that I'm going to give a bonus on it. So that's a two-CD question. Wow. 714. 
545-2071. Good morning to everybody if you're just getting up from the early shift. Good morning. And good evening to everybody who stayed with us. And those of you who woke up during the middle of the night, hello there, too. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Hello, everybody. And you have to call fast on this question because my battery is starting to run down. I'm not, but my battery is. So we've got the Great Gildersleeve, and Fibber McGee and Molly each had a favorite store. Which one shopped at Hogan's Brothers, and which one shopped at the Bonton? Good question. Awesome. Good question. 714-545-2071. In 1941, Fibber McGee and Molly and the Great Gildersleeve changed You can tell me what they exchanged. Let me know. Oh, I know what um, you're you're asking me, or I'm well. Sure, you can answer it. You are what you won one of your CDs. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> I know that Gildersleeve tried to give the McGee's a phonograph that dropped records automatically. They were all excited about it because it would stack, I believe it was four. But that was a gift from Gildersleeve to the McGee's. That show did not have a reciprocal gift. Correct. That, that, was, that was the year before. Okay. But in 1941, they exchanged gifts. They exchanged gifts. Um, that had to be the one where they were almost in a contest with each other. Yep, um, yep. One of them thought at the end, by the time they got to the end, one of them thought he was getting a recliner, right. and the other thought he was getting golf clubs. I can't recall what the second one was. Well, the other place shipped uh, Fibber the, the nice new chair. You know, the recliner was all fully loaded, operated, uh -huh. did everything. And uh, Fibber sent the box and said, don't open it to Christmas. And it was Gildersleeve's lawnmower that he bought. I remember now. You are so on target. Yes, yes that was a good show, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, that, so, that was a very good show. Okay, we need which store the great Gildersleeve shopped at and which store Fibber McGee and Molly shopped at. Which one shopped at Hogan Brothers? Is it Hogan or Hogan's Brothers? I think it's Hogan. One and no S. That's, I think so. that's I the way you're right. That's the way I had it written, but... Somehow, when I looked at it in writing, it didn't look too terrific. Okay, the Great Gildersleeve, which store did he shop at? Was it Hogan Brothers or the Bonton? And which one did Fibber McGee and Molly shop at? One shopped at one, one shopped at the other. Which one belonged to whom? Oh, now, that's whom. grammatically correct. Oh, you're to whom? Good. You're good. Yeah, and if somebody doesn't call, you're going to have to answer it next week. All right. And I can, well, it's after 5 o'clock. Is it? An, a, a second show is kind of pushing it. What do you think? It's up to you, my dear. You, I can, well, it I can really play, is I your play, choice because. I can play a show and you can go to bed. That's right, but you can't. So it's up to you. Oh, if I do it, I get a whipping. No. <laughs> oh, I do it. No. <laughs> that was a great line I from um, Red Skelton. Just a great line. Well, let's do it. All right. Okay. It's a Christmas show. It's Fibber the Postman 
from December 19, 1950, as one of the very few shows that Fibber actually has a job. As with everything else, it's a temporary job. It's a part-time job as a post office employee, and it was hired at Christmas time. But the only job requirement that I could hear in the show was that he had to own a car. There were no other requirements. He just had to have a car. So Molly shows up with Fibber on the first day and wants to make the rounds with him, but the rules forbid it. That didn't make any difference to Molly, <coughs> excuse me, because she decided to write, uh, to ride with him anyway. But it's got, it's got some really subtle humor that people who are distracted or not listening, even just not listening for a little bit, will miss it. Um, one of them is, for example, the post office, uh, when the postmaster is doing roll call and Fibber says, here, and the guy asks, Fibber, got your bag with you, McGee? And Molly calls, here, sir. That's right. She's Fibber's bag. So, I mean, that's a piece of subtle humor that probably slipped by 29% uh, percent of the audience, probably 99% of the audience. But um, it's a departure from a typical Fibber McGee and Molly show, not only because Fibber has a job, but the entire show takes place outside of their house. There must be another show in the lineup where that happens. But... Um, it, it's an unusual one. Do you agree it's an unusual one? I love one? it. That's a great choice. They never they never set foot in their house on this one, and I, I thought that was really interesting. So anyway, time for the second show. Therefore, I say good night right. to everybody. Thank you so much for calling and having questions for Nolan Kenner and appreciating all that he talked about and calling in for trivia. My gosh, we've got bunches of goodies here to send out this week. So here we go, Fibber the Postman from December 19th, 1950. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. <laughs> the Pet Milk Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The first evaporated milk, Pet Milk, presents Liver McGee and Molly, transcribed with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Dick Legrand, Cliff Arquette, Ed Begley, Jeanette Nolan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The show is written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie and directed by Max Hutto, with music by the Kingsman and Billy Mills Orchestra. Four years ago, in Baltimore, Maryland, four tiny babies were born to Mr. and Mrs. Charles Henn, Jr., you must have seen their pictures in the newspapers and magazines. Remember? Delicate infants they were, weighing a mere three pounds each. But they didn't stay delicate. Soon after they were born, the babies were started on safe, easy-to-digest pet milk. They've had no other kind of milk, and you should see them now. Four years old and going strong. All happy, husky youngsters with the fine, straight backs, the strong, sturdy limbs, and sound teeth that are typical of pet milk babies. Ask your doctor about pet milk for your baby. And remember, pet evaporated milk isn't just a baby food. It's an all-family food, an all-purpose milk. The first food for millions of babies, the first choice of millions of good cooks. Get pet milk at your grocer's tomorrow. 
The Westro Vista Post Office, loaded down with Christmas mail, has signed up some extra men with cars this morning to deliver packages. And standing in line awaiting final instructions, we find a man who is alert and eager. <laughs> a man who is ambitious and hardworking. <laughs> and right between them, a man who is Mr. McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. Stay outside the railing there now, Molly. This is for employees only. I still can't see why I can't stand in there with you. My goodness, I'm not going to bother. It's the regulations. Post the rules. Here comes the...